Welcome to the Team Packed Podcast with your hosts, Jessica McIntyre and Quinton Cools. We hope to inspire you to think critically and biblically about current issues facing our culture, challenge you to make a difference in your community, and ultimately change the world. Today's episode is citizenship here and in heaven. Some people emphasize their political beliefs over their faith. Other people separate faith and politics entirely. What is the relationship between the two? Today, we will identify how our faith influences our politics, how we must seek truth and communicate with grace, and finally, where we locate our hope. Our guest today is former Oklahoma State Representative Josh Cockcroft. Josh is a former member of the Oklahoma House of Representatives representing District 27. He did this from 2010 to 2018. During this time, he also served as the Assistant Majority Whip at one point. He's a former Teen Pack student, intern, program director, and also the program director of Teen Pack Congress. He currently serves as the Senior Director of Government Affairs for the Oklahoma Association of Realtors. He's a husband to Jessica, dad to several beautiful girls, and Josh, it's great to have you on the Teen Pack Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so Josh, I got to follow up on something here. Um, obviously, you've been involved in Team Pact for a while. Um, and so, you know, Team Pact students, they write bills and they present them at class and whatnot. And so it seems like, you know, when that crazy one comes up of a student writes a bill about, oh, the whole staff has to do the chicken dance or something like that, somehow... That bill always gets assigned to like the rules committee. So we found out that you were actually involved in the rules committee. Is that true? That is true. So from 2016 to 2018, I was the chairman of the House Rules Committee in Oklahoma. Um, that was basically the top policy committee in the House of Representatives. But that's also kind of like Teen Pact. That's also where all the bills that the staff may not want to go through also get. <laughs> so it can be a little bit of the okay. the garbage dumpster. Uh, but <laughs> it was also. In, in real life, it was it was a, a venue for some of the most important bills to go through. Hmm. That's fantastic. It's yeah. good to know that there's actually purpose. <laughs> yeah, the rules committee is not that. this thing that Teen Pact interns make up. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so getting back to, I know you served from 2010 to 2018 as a representative. Why uh, did you choose not to continue in that? Can you speak a little bit to that? Great question. So um, I had been privileged over the eight years that I'd served uh, to uh, rise very quickly in leadership. I was given a lot of uh, important leadership responsibilities in the House. Um, but at the same time, I was also, uh, we were growing our family. Um, when I was elected in 2010, my wife and I uh, were about to get married. When I started my first session, we had been married a week. Uh, and so that was all we had ever known. Uh, come to t 2018, I had three kids underneath four years old. Uh, and so it was a decision for me realizing uh, that I didn't want to miss out on my kids growing up. Um, I felt like I had risen as far as I needed to uh, and had accomplished everything I needed to in the house uh, and just really felt pressed upon that it was time to focus on my family, kind of step back from the crazy schedule uh, and, and move on with my life. Thankfully, though, I'm still involved uh, in what I loved over those eight years in government affairs still. So I kind of got both the best of both worlds and being able to spend more time with my kids, my wife, uh, and still being able to do what I love. 
Mm, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, there's I think sometimes we can kind of have this perspective of elected officials just having this one job, this one role, and they don't even realize like this this is actually a job. Like, you know, I have a job, like you have a job, you know, and it's something that you still you you just kind of step out of and still have a family outside of that and church and whatnot. So there's there's still some different primary roles and responsibilities outside of that that we have to be mindful of. So I know you mentioned, you know, family and they've been through you, they've been with you throughout all of that. And then church has been a big part of that. Did you ever experience conflict or maybe conflict isn't even the right word but you know when we're talking about that idea of having the the multiple responsibilities was there ever um a difference did that ever collide your responsibility when you were a representative versus your responsibility um to your church or to your family versus to your constituents can you can you speak a little bit to that does that make sense yeah, for sure. Uh, it's always interesting. You know, the district that I represented was a very rural district, um, and we went to church. And I was a pastor at the church in the district that I represented. So it's always an interesting dynamic when you walk in the door on Sunday morning and you have people lined up to talk to you about political issues oh, interesting. or or things that 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 they're yeah. dealing with in their personal lives. It's always it's an it's always an interesting dynamic. I, I think, you know, rather than pointing to like a, a specific instance that there was conflict or, you know, there was they're trying to divide some lines in between the, the responsibilities, I think where where you saw the most where I saw the most challenging part was through communication. Um, when we talk about communication, I, I often uh call it the 280 character culture that we live in. If you think about social media today and Twitter, you're allowed 280 characters to, to, to relay a message. And I feel like a lot of people nowadays, that's how we communicate. We, we communicate by headlines. We communicate by emotion. There's a lot of different things flying around in the culture today. Um, and where the conflict and the difficulty can come in is, is how do you respond to all of that? How do you uh, project the Christ-like uh, attitude and responses to the challenges that we're facing in today's culture and society while still, uh, again, fulfilling those multiple roles that I was in uh, as a pastor, as a state representative, um, as a community leader, things like that. So communication uh, has always been uh on my heart to be able to communicate effectively and help other people communicate effectively. I think that those challenges can come in when you've got angry emails coming into the office or you've got people lining out the door at church to talk to you about uh, issues. So I, I think that's, that's an interesting dynamic of, of kind of what I, what I faced back then and what I continue to face and we all continue to face. Yeah. So Josh, and, and I've always known you to be a really excellent communicator, even, uh, even though I'd I have never lived in District 27 in Oklahoma. Um, by following you on Facebook, I was able to see how you would relate to constituents and answer their questions and so forth. And you always were very gracious with how you did that. I'm curious if you found in your involvement with, with church life and your involvement with the kind of political life, did one of those influence your views of the other 
from time to time did you know you're you know you're you're debating some some topic uh, politically on you know on the house floor or in a committee or uh, or something like that and then that kind of bleeds into uh, you know church life and how you actually you know participate in you know some sort of uh, you know responsibility in your community or or vice versa where you know your views theologically biblically kind of affected you know politics and and the way that you led there like speak to us about how they interacted. I think one of the most eye-opening experiences, you know, coming straight out of Teen Pact and lit- literally coming out of Teen Pact into elected office, because I started campaigning during my pro- uh, program director year in 2010. Wow. Uh, and seeing the, and seeing the differences between you know how how we go through the mock legislature and everything, and one of the most eye-opening uh, instances was when I was actually in the House of Representatives, and you would see people on opposite sides of the issue, on opposite sides of the aisle. You'd see people arguing and fighting back and forth, and then you know you recess and uh, you re- recess for lunch, and everybody's like, "Where are we going to lunch?" Um, and, and, you know, you know, how's your family doing? You know, what, yeah. what are you going through right now? Um, and, and it, it caused me to take a step back a little bit to realize that, you know what, in, in communicating with one another, you have to come from a standpoint that one, we are all individuals created in the image of God and deeply, deeply loved by our creator. Um, and, we are all going through different circumstances. We are all at different portions and and places in our lives where we have different belief systems. We have different thought processes, but starting from a basis of realizing that that person is going through something completely different than I am. And I may not ever understand what they're going through. Starting with a basis of commonality with those individuals, it's able to, you're able to begin that relationship to begin to, uh, to, to minister to those people, even in the realm of politics. Uh, So, and I think, I think what you're saying about like Christian identity, if I can butt in for a second, like, the fact that we view all people as created in God's image, that that changes the way we can relate to them, right? Like that changes the way dramatically transforms that. So if that if that's true, then the, it, there's one sense in which uh, Christians should uh, should be the very best at this. Like Christians should should be the ones who, in their participation in politics, um, whether that's legislators or voters or active citizens in a community, like we should be the ones who are living that out and showing that respect to someone who we disagree with or uh, or so on. And it seems to me that you know even zooming in on Teen Pact for a second. You know, we have uh, Teen Pact interns and staff every year uh, in, on a rotating leadership that often are motivated by their love for the Lord, their love for discipling young people, um, which is excellent. But sometimes we've even found that their interest and involvement in politics has waned. Um, and as I think about it, Christians should in a way care more than non-christians about politics because it's our it's our way of living out that uh, that purpose that God's given us, that we are a new creation and that we can affect that that change in the world, that we can see God's design and his principles lived out in uh, in law and in our communities. Um, would you agree with that premise that that you know in a way Christians should care more and engage more? 
I'm reminded of Colossians chapter four, and it talks about um, how we're to make the most of every opportunity. Uh, and in all of our conversations, our conversations and our actions, our communications are to be seasoned with grace. Um, and to, to your point, yes, we are called to care about politics because we are care we are called to care about the world around us. And you and I are tremendously blessed, and sometimes we forget we're tremendously blessed to be in this country. Mm-hmm that have been given so much, uh, that so much more than other parts of the world, it's our responsibility to take the opportunities that God has given us, even if an individual isn't called into politics, to realize that they have been placed in a system that uh, enables them as an individual in the individual freedoms that have been set up in this country to take that and pivot from that to use that opportunity to communicate with others, to uh, put forth a belief system, to put forth truth. So, I mean, I, I think more than the question, it's an obvious answer in that, yes, we are called to be uh, in, engaged in politics and stand for truth. The, the reworded question might be, how do we care more about sure. politics sure. than anyone else? So, uh, and that that's you know bringing that back around to the Colossians verse. We 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 season everything we do with grace, with love, mm-hmm. while standing for truth. Yeah, and you know what you're talking about, truth, that season with grace, um, engaging. Um, there's there's a real sense in which our citizenship we can you know we essentially have a dual citizenship we are citizens here in the united states of america we're also citizens of a heavenly kingdom and you know living out of that identity that we have in christ in his kingdom ultimately it, it seems that that is supposed to inform all of these other areas of our life whether that's our political views how we vote how we interact with uh, people who we disagree with um, you know whether we get involved in politics or not based on you know passions and and skills that we've been given and so forth but along with that there's you know oftentimes as we examine even our own Christian worldview as we as we read scripture and seek to apply scripture it, it seems to me that there's plenty of, of opportunity for scripture to inform where we maybe got it wrong or where we need to change um, and could you kind of speak to that speak to how maybe was there ever a time in your experience where um, maybe you had a political stance when you were 21 years old and first elected and you decided to change that, um, not in a wishy-washy, I'm going to flip-flop on this issue sort of a thing in order to get more votes, but maybe a conviction that changed either. Maybe it's maybe it's because of biblical principles that you see, or maybe it was it was conversations with people where you were having a humble approach to listen to, to people in your community. That's a fantastic question. Um, and it's, that's a very difficult one to, to, to answer. And, you know, I, I think, again, I don't know that I can think right off the cuff of a specific instance, but it was more in how I approached issues sure. uh, yeah. to realize that not every uh, not every hill is a hill to die on, if that makes sense. Again, not in a wishy-washy standpoint, but to realize that 
there are issues that you deal with in the political realm and the position that I was in where you have to work with others. Um, you know, the state of Oklahoma in, in the recent past has, has been through some very difficult times and it caused everybody while I was in the legislature and even now uh, to, to re-examine everything that was facing our state um, and to realize that you have to work with one another, bringing it back to that commonality. How do we find the things that you and I can agree on to advance whatever agenda that that might be, whatever belief system that that might be, what are the ways that we can partner on some some of these things to to move the ball forward? I think back over my eight years and some of my greatest friends that I uh, that that I became friends with while I was in the legislature were of completely different belief systems that were on completely different sides of the political, the, the quote unquote political aisle sure. uh, that we so often find ourselves drawing battle lines on. That's because we were able to find areas where we knew we would agree. We would find that commonality on and those areas that we didn't agree on. It was okay because we were at, but we were all at different points in our lives and our belief systems, but finding that commonality, finding that, uh, that, that way that we could move the ball forward. Yeah. Well, there, there's such a, there's such a wholesomeness and a maturity to that, that I think is lacking in at least what we see, you know, in the news federally, you know, talking about even the, the current stimulus bill and kind of some of the, the stuff that goes into blocking each other's attempts at, you know, actually moving something forward. So I, I really appreciate hearing your perspective on that as we, I want to, I want to, uh, kind of finish our conversation by addressing another uh, idea here that's that's connected to this, and that is our Christian witness. So you're talking a lot about how we can um, how we can participate and and do this with a way that's seeking truth and seasoned with grace. Um, it seems to me that there's uh, a lot of a lot of people that. Uh, that diminish their Christian witness when, let's say, um, you know, a, a, an adult on on Facebook that posts constantly about a particular right wing or particular left wing news source, and it's just, you know, that you look at the last two weeks of posts, and it's just post after post after post of a particular talking point, right? And and I take a step back and I look at that and I say, what what is that telling the world is most important to you? Um, can you kind of speak to what we as Christians ought to be doing? What, what's our message to the world as we engage in politics, like we should, but how that's not the ultimate thing? Mm, great question. Um, I'm reminded of a, of a quote that an, that an old pastor of mine uh, said continually, and that's, the American dream did not come to you because of the cross of Christ. In fact, the American dream might be the very thing that is keeping you from the cross of Christ. And there's, wow. there, are, there are a lot of issues that, that we as believers are, are trying to, to latch on to, uh, to, to today. And, uh, you know, that it becomes that hill to die on, um, and, and working with one another and realizing at the very basis that we are not God, that, that we, uh, we are finite human beings and being able to work with one another and realize that that we are those that 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 fallen being, 
uh, human beings, um, that's where we're able to begin that that starting point of, of working with one another, um, portraying the love and the grace while portraying truth um, as Christ followers. I believe that's possible to do at the same time. Many sure, people would sure. say that's that's not possible. I think it is to be able to, uh, it's not easy, but it, it's possible to, to, to show the grace and the love while standing for truth. What that takes is first of all, listening to each other, mm-hmm. just listening, realizing that I will never know what you go through because I am not you, but I will also never know how to help you if I don't shut up. Sure. Um, and I think a lot of the times we are quick to speak. My mom used to say, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a very specific <laughs> reason. Uh, right. You're right. supposed to listen twice as much. But once we listen, we have to love each other. And then after we do all of that, then we're able to labor for uh, the cause of Christ. Um, I, I think we sometimes reverse those roles a little bit to, to speak first and then and, and portray our, our, our thoughts and our, our, our belief system without ever listening. Yeah, well, it seems like there, there's a there's a, a deep humility that you're advocating for that um, is willing to uh, to 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 shut up and listen and to actually have a genuine desire to listen and to understand somebody else's perspective. That's huge. Um, I think of I think of a couple things. Not only is is humility probably the thing that allows you to to cultivate a relationship with that person, but then more than that, I think hope. Honestly, where we locate our hope is such a key element to this. Where if you're locating your hope in politics and in a political outcome, especially here in 2020, I think we get some of that alarmism in from from both sides of the political aisle right now where you know it the world's going to end if you don't vote for this candidate or if you let this candidate win and i think i think really for believers it's identifying that our hope is ultimately secure in Christ and and that we can affect positive change and we should and we should um, we should listen and we should understand and we should participate and we should vote and we should mm-hmm. advocate and all these wonderful things but ultimately where do we, where do we locate our hope and I think that's gonna inform us um, you know as we head into this election but you know I as we kind of wrap up I'd, I'd be interested to hear you know we have a lot of uh, young listeners on the Teen Pack podcast. Um, some of them are um, under 18, haven't haven't even had the chance to vote yet. Um, we have other listeners who are adults, even parents of teens, and, and hopefully beyond that as well. Um, but as you think about what you would want to leave people in regard to this, this topic, um, is there any kind of final thought you'd like to leave with our listeners today? I, you know, I get, I, I get uh, asked a lot at the end of interviews or podcasts, uh, over my eight years, you know, what, what's the final thought you want to leave us with? What's the final question? Um, I'm reminded, uh, often, uh, it's, it's, I, I keep a, an extensive list of quotes that I just, I, I, I'm, I'm a huge quote nerd. Um, and I, I record quotes all the time. Um, and I'm reminded of a quote by GK Chesterton. Um, and he was responding to, uh, a, a letter in a publication that basically said, what's wrong with the world? Um, what's wrong with the world? And his response in the, the readers of this newspaper were expecting him to go on this long diatribe of 
X, Y, and Z. Here's what's wrong the world, with the world. And they were surprised to see published the next week his response. And his response was very simple. It said, dear sirs, what's wrong with the world? I am. I am. Um, and I, I, I think over my time in politics, um, having been able to have the opportunities that I had to do the things that I do, did to, to meet the people that I met, I'm humbled to realize that me as a, as a, a, as a sinful human being could have been placed by God in that position. And I would just simply leave people with this, that you may not be called to politics and that's okay, but you have been called to a mission. Um, and at the very basis of that mission is a, as a calling uh, to go and make disciples and, of, of every nation. And no matter what circumstance that you and I are placed in, that's our calling. And to do that with excellence, to make the most of every opportunity, to realize that he is God and we are not. Um, and keeping that in, in mind, that's when God can use us. That's when Christ's kingdom can expand is when we listen, when we love, when we, with, when we labor with one another um, and realize that every individual is created in the image of God. I think that diffuses a lot of the tension, a lot of the vitriol of today uh, when humility clashes with, with hate, with, with tension that we see in 2020. Um, and I think that's, that's the answer um, that, that this world is looking for, whether they really realize it or not. Um, and who better than to meet that call than you or I, because we've been equipped with the most powerful um, truth of all. Josh talked about believers, how we're supposed to seek the truth and our way of relating is supposed to be seasoned with grace. But, you know, Jessica, one of the things I've been thinking about since he said that was where is the balance between, you know, advocating for only a particular type of political stance and living separate from the world. You know, I think there's often a distinction that's made between, you know, kind of politics and all the messiness that goes into that. And then also, you know, being believers and we're supposed to be set apart. Is there a distinction there or is that a false distinction? What are your thoughts? Mm, yeah, it's almost asking the question of what is the responsibility then when you do have that responsibility as a Christian, as a believer, but then as a citizen and as, you know, somebody may be seeing the negative that can be in this world, what do we do with that? I, it makes me think of kind of my family's perspective and even my own personal shift in perspective that has happened okay. over the years. Um, back in the day when we were first starting Team Pact, it's, of course, when you don't know what Team Pact is, it's like, oh, there's this cool government camp or whatever. And of course, we know it's it's so much more than that. But for the person who has never heard of it before and they come into it with that perspective, it's like, all right, government, politics, cool, great. Well, my family, my mother was a little bit apprehensive about that, actually, because she's always had this perspective that I think a lot of us do, and it's not completely wrong <laughs> either, not completely inaccurate, that it's politics, government is messy, it's 
corrupt at times and you know there there can be just downright wrong going on within that realm and so that's something she always said I'll never never forget she said I don't want my kids going near government with a hmm. 10 foot pole hmm. so that crushed my dreams of being a senator <laughs> <laughs> no but but after being involved in in you know whether it was team packed or just learning more about what our responsibility is, I, I think that mind shift has I know it's definitely changed for me and my family, and that we have a role and responsibility as Christians to take the opportunities that are in front of us, and for some of us that means being involved um, and being called to being involved in the political process, whether on a very um, small level or maybe you know larger scale. Maybe Maybe it is running for office, but it's it's saying, no, we need those people who are seeking truth, who want to do good and insert that perspective into government and politics and saying we need those people in leadership and saying that, you know, God's placed us here where we are for a specific purpose. And I can reach people in in my, you know, sphere of influence, whether that's personal or in a political sense that you can't reach. And I have a responsibility within that um, and, and vice versa. So kind of taking that idea of doing that that which is before us that God has set up for us to do and taking those opportunities to seek truth and promote truth um, and have that positive influence. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Josh really exemplifies that, you know, he's a, at the time he was 21 years old when he decided to run and was elected for um, the Oklahoma state house. And you think about a young person who takes that seriously. It's not that there's a, a divide or a dichotomy between participation in politics, which can be negative and can be, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, there, there's some corruption, there's there's evil, but there's evil in all areas of society. And if we as believers are pulling away from that and not actually doing that good in the world, I mean, we're missing out on a huge part of what God has called us to in terms of love God and love your neighbor. That's mm-hmm. a huge component of this. And so when I think about, you know, Josh's example and, and it's kind of some of the things he shared with us, you know, we as believers, we have God's vision of the world to share. Josh talked again and again about um, being made in the image of God and viewing people as made in the image of God, because that's the true way to view the reality before us. We need to be active in restraining evil and promoting good. And that means being involved in politics. Mm -hmm. I think that again, gets back down to purpose in what you're doing. So, you know, my my purpose in maybe it's being involved in government is not to simply be involved in government. It's not simply to push a agenda, even if I think it's correct. It's to glorify God, yeah. to love him and to love others. Right. It's, you know, going to work. Why do I do that? It's to love God and to love others. We, we almost overcomplicate it by, by assuming that politics is this shrouded thing of like what's going on there. And it's like, no, yeah, like exactly. live out your identity as a Christian, love God, mm-hmm. love others in the way that you you talk about politics and the way that you think about politics and the way that you vote and so forth. You know, one of the biggest things that I think we could uh, arrive at in this conversation, though, is really just where are we locating our hope? And we talked with Josh a little bit about that. Ultimately, our goal is not to make America heaven, right? The kingdom has already come. We don't we don't bring the kingdom. The kingdom is already here. And there's a now and a not yet to that, right? So as we actively participate in, in, in politics, 
politics, we can affect great change. We can do good in the world. We can love our neighbor. Um, ultimately, though, our hope is in heaven. And ultimately, one day, um, all things will be made new. Thank you for joining us for this special edition of the Team Pact podcast focused on the 2020 election. Have any questions about today's episode? Send us an email at communications at teampact.com or you can visit our website for more information about our programs and state classes.